Praise God. Thank you, worship team. It was great to worship in the house of God. Greetings to all of you here in Jerusalem, King of Kings family. We welcome all visitors, uh, those who are here for the first time. God bless you. Hope you come back. And also we, are greetings, we give greetings to all who are watching online. We're going through a series, uh, Deconstructing God. If you haven't seen or heard the message last week, last Sunday, Pastor Mike gave an excellent introduction to the series. So please watch it if you haven't done that, if you haven't been here. This series is about uh, exploring who is God. Sometimes we think we know Him. Sometimes we think we worship the God that you know we know ourselves. But sometimes God shows us something that we never expected. So what's, what is He like? Some people wonder, can I have a relationship with Him? Personal relationship. So we'll try through this series, answer all these questions and more. But yes, to answer the question about relationship, yes, it is possible to have a relationship with God, the creator of the universe. Yes, personal relationship. He's a personal God. In, uh, in first epistle, John, the disciple of Yeshua, he writes to all the readers, and he actually says this. Let's, let's turn to 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. He says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Yeshua, the Messiah. Relationship with God is so amazing. It is not like any other relationships that we uh, have had or have been used to. It's a relationship of love. The love that never ends. God calls it an everlasting love. He's so gentle and kind. Yet no one, no one absolutely can control him or manipulate him to get what they want. We're so used to this love amongst humans that we can actually manipulate each other. Well, you can't do that with God. And yet He loves us so dearly. No matter how close you get to know Him, no matter how much experience you had with Him, He is an amazing God that keeps revealing Himself more and more and more. The amazing example of his love is, here it is. He's absolutely perfect in every way and in everything. And he's always right. And he never makes mistakes. However, he went really long, extra mile to come to us to save us. Because we turned away from him. And he, as he came, Yeshua he took on himself our guilt and shame, all of our sins, past, present, and future. And he said, he said to us, it is my fault. Have you had any relationship like that with anyone? I'm sure you never had. And he did it because he loves us. And love was his 
only motivation when he went to die on the cross. So I want to ask if some of you here did not receive Yeshua yet. If you don't know him, you don't know this relationship, I hope by the end of this evening, this service, you make a decision, your personal decision to invite him into your life. Another amazing thing about God, when he convicts you of sin, he does it so powerfully and yet so gently. He never uses humiliation to, to motivate you to change. He never uses sarcasm to help you to repent. And yet he will not allow his children to have a false understanding of who he really is. And if we have believed a lie because we have created a wrong image of him in our minds, he will deconstruct, he will destroy that false understanding, that false image, which is, which is really an idol or a false god. He will be patient with you when he does that. And that, that makes him very, very attractive. So let's get to know him more and more and let's become more like him because he invites us to imitate him. See, because he wants to save all the people that you know and he wants to use you to save those people. If only we can show what our Savior Yeshua is like to other people around us. If we can only show real Yeshua with our lives, many will turn to him and be saved. So let's, let's not stop in our spiritual growth or our understanding. Let's keep on growing. During this series, we will look at different people in the Bible. We will look at their faith. We will look at their failures. Today, we, look, we will look together at Moses. So my message tonight is Moses, his faith and failures. Now, speaking about faith, faith is very attractive. But we have to understand faith is always taking risks. Faith always involves risks. If you don't risk, then it's probably not faith. It's probably your own human calculation. Pa failure is very painful at times, but necessary. Failures are necessary at times. It was necessary in the life of Moses. It'll be necessary in our lives as well. So Moses, he lived 120 years. His life was divided in almost three perfect periods of 40 years. That's how we see it in the Bible. From his birth, there were miracles of faith. His parents, his parents took a risk and they disobeyed Pharaoh's command. And they hid Moses when he was born for about three months. Let's read that. It's, it's found in Hebrews 11:23. Hebrews 11:23. By faith Moses' parents hid him from 
hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, parents did that. And of course, throughout his life, his name reminded him all his life that he was a miracle. Moses, his name means drawn out of the water. And when Pharaoh's daughter raised him up, she probably told him who he was because he was circumcised. And also he fellowshiped with other Hebrew people. Moses was getting to know God all his life. It's interesting to talk about Moses because Moses in Numbers 12, 3 wrote something very interesting about himself. It says, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. It does sound funny. If I said that or you said that, we would all laugh. But as you read about Moses' life, he wrote in the Torah, he wrote all of his victories and all of his failures. He wrote the mo about the most painful failure at the very end of his life. So studying his life, we see that Moses had an issue with anger and self-confidence. And it's all pride. And so those things were the cause of his failures. God would, <clears throat> God would uh, allow those things in Moses' life. Those failures. So he would destroy that which would hold him back. That would be against God's nature. As we read the Bible, we know that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So before we take detailed look at Moses, please hear this. When God allows us to fail, it's another example of unique relationship, personal relationship. When he allows us to fail, he never is ashamed of us and of our failures. So many times people in friendships and relationships, when they fail, they don't want to fellowship anymore. They don't want to have relationships anymore. They, they're ashamed of each other. But God does not feel that way. Some of you need to hear that tonight. God is not ashamed of your failures. We find that in Hebrews 11 verse 16. When we study the heroes of faith, as Paul writes it in the letter to Hebrews, I want to show you this verse, 11, Hebrews 11 verse 16. It talks about all of the heroes of faith because they were all human, so they all failed at times. Hebrews eleven sixteen. instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. In other words, they were, they were longing to know what God has prepared for them. They were longing to receive whatever God has for them. And so it says there, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. 
So when you do have the longing to know him, when you do have the longing to receive everything that he has for you, and in the process you fail, he tells you that he's not ashamed of us. He's not ashamed to be called our God. Why is it important? Because we feel ashamed of ourselves when we fail. And God says, I'm not ashamed of you. So that's the God who are in relationship with us. And if we want to please God, we want to be a, a person of faith, God is not ashamed of us nor of our failures. So let's, talk at Mo let's look at Moses. At the age of 40, Moses felt so strongly that God is calling him to be a deliverer of his people, of God's people. And he really acted so fast. He acted so much in the flesh, in anger. And it kills the Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew man. Let's just uh, look at it. In, it's written in the book of Exodus. Most of you are very familiar with that passage, but let's read it anyway. Hebrews, I mean Exodus, I'm sorry. Exodus chapter 2, if we find verse 11, and let's read a passage from 11 to 15. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hurting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. So Moses acted acts in the flesh, in anger, in haste. And he receives this, this failure. He just, he just realizes he failed and he immediately gets afraid. That's what happens with us sometimes. You know, the biggest and the greatest revelation which anyone can receive after they have received the gift of salvation is to know your calling in life. But not only that, not only receive your calling, but to know and to fulfill it in humility. And so very often it comes in parts. You receive the calling and then sometimes you fail to become humble. And that's what happened to Moses. In the book of Acts, when Stephen speaks before the Sanhedrin, he actually says, Moses thought that his brothers will understand that God is giving him as a deliverer, but they did not. They did not understand that. So often it happens today. I remember it happened in my life. 
I remember being 19 and on fire for God and wanting to take the world on and preach the gospel. And I remember having a, a big argument with my dad about a very, very serious issue. And I say now, looking back, when I was young and I knew it all, I just totally, totally disagreed with my father. And he said, son, we're going to take a week of fasting and praying, myself and your mother, and we'll seek God. And I said to myself, I don't need to pray and fast. I know God's will. I know exactly what God wants. Many, when they face that, when they, when they come to uh, this kind of a obnoxious fire, uh, on fire for God relationship, you know, they come against the wall, just like Moses did. And many actually break and walk away from God because nothing works out. And they think that they, they wanted to please God and God didn't want them. And that's such a lie. Because they started moving in the flesh and they feel, they fail and they cannot go on. So when you receive the understanding of your calling, make sure you move in humility. Make sure that God goes ahead of you and he orchestrates and shows you each step of the way. Because when God goes ahead of you, he opens the right doors. He gives the blessing through the spiritual leaders in your life. He provides all the resources, all the giftings, and all the teammates. And he receives the glory. He does, he does not share his glory with anyone. Again, I want to quote that. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So Moses learned that and he fled away into the wilderness. Forty years goes by and God finds Moses in the wilderness. We know the story of the burning bush. And it's amazing when I look at that, God waited patiently for 40 years until Moses was humble enough. And yet, as we read this story, he was humble enough, but yet still he argued with God furiously when God was calling him. But this time, God is reconstructing Moses. He's putting him back together. God does it with much patience. It's amazing. When you read how Moses argues with God, it's amazing how patiently God answers him. God is saying, I heard the cry of my people and I'm sending you to take my people out of Egypt. You know the story. Moses goes, who am I? God says, I'll be with you. He goes, so what? If I come to them and I told them that God is with me, he has sent me, they'll tell me, what's his name? God is patiently teaching him. God reveals his name to Moses. He says, tell them, I am who I am. Let's just read this quickly. Exodus 3 verses 18 to 20. Just a small passage. God is 
is talking to Moses and he is persuading him. He says, the elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. And then God says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. God is explaining to him. And Moses goes, what if they don't believe me? Okay, God says, here... He won, he won the signs and wonders. Here are three signs. He gives them a sign of a staff that becomes a snake. Then he says a, he gives them a sign of a hand that becomes uh, covered with leprosy and back to normal. And then he gives them a sign that he can turn water into blood. And you would think that would be enough. Moses would say, praise God, I'm, I'm going to trust God. And he pulls out another one. He says, God... I can't really talk. I'm slow with my tongue. I'm slow of speech. And God says, I will help you. And I will teach you what to say. And then finally Moses says, sorry God, please send someone else. I find it, and God being so patient and amazing here. And God knows that Moses kind of swings from one extreme of self-confidence to another extreme of total despair and total loss of any self-esteem and feeling of total, total failure. Moses was disappointed in himself. And it's interesting, God can work with that. See, when you're proud, he resists you. But Moses, it's also a form of pride, actually, when you still resist God, when God is speaking to you and trying to raise you up and you still argue and argue and say no to him. However, with Moses, from the man who is self-confident to another extreme, God is working with him patiently. He is restoring Moses. He is reconstructing him. Now let me ask you. Maybe some of you are in a position like that. Maybe through a certain failure or a series of failures. You think you're no good for God. You think that he cannot use you. That's a lie. He can use you. He will use you if you just let him. If you just let him reconstruct you after your failure. For some of you, the time has come. Maybe God is speaking to you. It's time. I will go with you. You will not be alone. Trust me. That's what happened to Moses finally. He finally goes to Egypt and then we find the greatest prophet of all the ministry of this 
humble, most humble man, Moses. He became known to the whole world. The whole world now knows about the 10 plagues in Egypt. The whole world now knows about the 10 commandments and the law that he received on Mount Sinai. The whole world knows about the, this humble servant who prays and intercedes before God when the Israelites fail again and again. He intercedes before God and asks God to forgive them and have mercy on them. When God says to him, I want to destroy them and create a new nation from you, Moses. Much stronger nation. God says it twice. In two occasions. And Moses pleads with God and says, no, God, please remember your covenant. And God is asking God to glorify himself. He says, forgive the people. And if not, blot me out of your book which you have written. That's amazing. That's amazing, servant. And then another... Another famous prayer of Moses. Remember after they failed miserably and, and made a golden idol, a golden calf? He prays and says, God, if you don't go with us, don't, we, we're not going to go anywhere. He longs for God's presence in his life and in the life of God's people so much. And then another famous prayer of Moses. God, I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. Then we come to the time when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And almost all of those rebellious generation, those people that were 20 years and older, when they left Egypt, when they all died. Close to that point, before the Israelites went into the promised land, there was again this failure on the part of the Israelites. And again they complain and again they accuse God and Moses that they keep saying, you brought us into this wilderness to die. And God gives Moses the answer and he says, he says to him, call on the people, take the staff and speak to the mountain and the mountain will give water. That's written in the book of Numbers chapter 20. Let's, let's turn to that, Numbers 20, 7 to 12. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, listen what Moses says. Listen, you rebels. 
must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. God says, you did not trust me enough to honor me before the people. And what was the failure? The failure was, again, his old sin, the anger, the anger and the desire to do something and to draw attention because he said, again, I want to read to you if you noticed or if you didn't listen to it again. Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? God never said, you will do it. God said, just speak to the rock and the water will flow. And God wanted him to be glorified. And Moses says, you want me to do it to the people? And it may seem such a minor thing, but... Moses knew exactly what he did. Again, the anger and the attention to himself and not God. And probably Moses relies on his past experience. And God says, I will not share my glory with anyone. I want to ask you if you are a seasoned minister. Are you relying on God every time you go to minister or you're relying on your past experiences? Be careful. Always ask God for fresh anointing. See, in the, in the beginning of as the Israelites left Egypt, there was a similar situation. There was no water. And God said back then, strike the rock and the rock will give water. So that kind of stuck in Moses' mind. Again, very similar situation. People are murmuring, there's no water, there's the rock, there's the staff. But God wanted him to do it differently. So be careful. Don't rely on your past experiences because that might, might cause you to fail. And of course, we know Moses asked for forgiveness. Moses immediately knew what he did wrong and he pleaded with God. But it says, God said to him, don't ask for it anymore. You will not enter the promised land. And it seems like a harsh answer. But God wants all the glory through his servants. He is alone worthy. Moses repeats this situation four times in the book of Deuteronomy. It's so painful to him. But God still is in the 
business of reconstructing his ministers. It's amazing. God does not allow Moses to enter the promised land. He allows him to just look and see it. And then God receives him in his glory and allows Moses to see him in his fullness. Just as Moses asked. Because back then, God says, you cannot see my face. You will see my back. I'll put you in the cliff of the rock. But here God says, no, you're not entering the promised land. I'm taking you home. And it's amazing. When we read the gospel of Luke, God gives Moses an audience with the promised Messiah, with the Savior of the world, about whom Moses wrote in Torah, about whom Moses thought again and again, God lets him meet Yeshua, the Lamb of God. In Luke chapter 9, as we read that, let's turn to Luke 9. God was not done with Moses when he says, no, you will not enter the promised land. In Luke chapter 9, verses 30 and 31, on the Mount of Transfiguration, it says, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Yeshua. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. God is an amazing God. He will deconstruct everything that takes you away from him or makes you believe in a different God. And he'll reconstruct you back up again. And he'll use you. And he will glorify his name through you. And remember, he's not ashamed of your failures. Just take a bold, a bold step of faith and start walking, start walking the walk, start fulfilling what God has called you. And if you need to repent, do it immediately. And God will always forgive and restore and he will glorify his name just as he promised you. God bless you. Let's all stand. If, if the worship team would come up, we will worship the Lord. But I'd like to just pray. I would like to pray for three different kinds of people. I want to pray for those who acted in the, in the flesh and haste and, they, and you acted in the flesh and faced a failure. I want to pray that God will restore you tonight. Also, I want to pray if you think that you are a total failure, the time has passed, the time has gone, time has gone by and you repented. God wants to reconstruct you. And also if God is speaking to you that you're relying on your experience more than on the Lord, I want to pray for you too. Let's, let's just uh, pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this great relationship that we have with you. We thank you for your love and mercy. We thank you that you love us so much that you dedicated yourself to us. You gave your son, Yeshua, to cover all of our sin, to take all of our 
uh, all of our mistakes and all of our sins and, and shame and guilt. Thank you, Yeshua, for doing that. And Father, I pray for those who want to serve you, but they acted in the flesh and they went too fast and they failed. I pray that you would help them to repent and help them to get back up. Restore them. Restore them, Father. I also pray for those who after their failures feel they're no good, they're total failures and they have no, absolutely no faith in you using them. I pray that you restore them as well. Restore them after their failure and use them. Use them, Father, for your glory and help them to be careful to always give you all the glory. And Father, I pray for those who who felt you're speaking to them. I pray that you would help them to always rely on you, always trust in you and always seek for fresh anointing as they minister and as they fulfill the calling that you've given them. Bless them, Father. Bless them. Help them to remember. Help them to learn from this great man, this great hero, Moses. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace and mercy, your forgiveness and your restoration. You're an amazing God. And also I pray for those who don't know you yet. I pray that you would help them to humble themselves tonight and receive your great salvation and humble themselves before your son Yeshua and repent. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your glory. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Amen.